Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, November 5th, and this is your FT News Briefing. OPEC isn't caving in to White House pressure to boost oil production, and SoftBank is facing investor pressure to buy back shares. Plus, central bankers' relationship with the bond market, well, it's become complicated. The market has got used to being spoon-fed by central bankers, particularly since the financial crisis of 2008. The situation that we find ourselves in now is that inflation is really hard to understand. We'll talk more about that with our markets editor, Katie Martin. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The White House yesterday said OPEC and its oil-producing allies could imperil the global economic recovery by refusing to speed up production. The U.S. also said it was prepared to use all tools necessary to lower fuel prices. The implication is that the U.S. could release supplies from its government reserves, and Brent crude oil prices dropped as much as 1.8% in response. The FT's U.S. energy editor, Derek Brower, has more. OPEC is increasing production. It's increasing production by 400,000 barrels a day. What the U.S. wanted it to do was increase the volume every month. It didn't do that. So the market is looking at both the prospect of more oil coming from OPEC. uh, And so that is, in a way, bearish if you believe that OPEC is doing enough to cool prices by increasing by 400,000 barrels a day as planned. But they are also considering what the U.S. might do in reaction to OPEC not increasing supply as quickly as the White House wanted. And this is why it's complex. So the U.S. has told us that it has considered releasing stored strategic stocks of its own from its huge stockpile called the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That would knock prices back a bit. The U.S. also has an even bigger tool that it can deploy, which is to get Iran to produce more oil. And the way to do that, and that would take a bit longer, but the way to do that is to strike another nuclear deal with Iran. And those talks will resume later this month. Derek also says this energy crisis is a boon for fossil fuel producers. It's just a very, very good time to be a producer of natural gas or a producer of oil uh, because consumers want more and more of them and supply is not keeping up with the thirst for those two fossil fuels. Ironically enough, given that, you know, the rest of the world leaders are gathering in Glasgow to try to to curb the use of those fossil fuels, the thirst for them is going up. And so it's a very good time if you sell either of those products. And Russia happens to sell both, happens to be. So it's sitting very prissy at the moment. Derek Brower is the FT's U.S. energy editor. Japan's tech investment giant SoftBank has watched its shares sink this year. Its stock price is down 42% from its peak in March. Now, frustrated investors like activist hedge fund Elliott Management say the only short-term spark for the sagging share price is a capital return program. In other words, share buybacks. Buybacks are the opposite of founder Masayoshi Sun's philosophy. He prefers to pour money into early-stage startups. But share buybacks are hardly off the table. Last year, SoftBank began buying back $23 billion worth of shares. Its stock price rose almost 300%. SoftBank is set to report its quarterly earnings on Monday.
There was a powerful rally on global bond markets yesterday. Investors had expected the Bank of England to tighten monetary policy, but the BOE startled markets by keeping rates steady. There was a rush to buy government debt, and the rally ensued. The Federal Reserve, on the other hand, did exactly what it said it was going to do. On Wednesday, it finally announced it was going to move forward with a pullback of its pandemic stimulus. Markets didn't flinch. Now, all this got us thinking about how central banks communicate with investors and how much investors influence central bankers. To talk more about this, I'm joined by our markets editor, Katie Martin. Hi, Katie. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So, Katie, we talk a lot about central bankers and, Mm. you know, the FT's capital markets correspondent, Tommy Stubbington, actually had a really interesting piece about how investors had been influencing actions by central banks to, to push up rates and tighten monetary policy. You know, where and why has this happened? It's an interesting question. And I think for whatever reason, over the past few years and decades, really, the market has got used to being spoon fed by central bankers. You know, particularly since the financial crisis of 2008, central bankers have basically run the bond market. And so investors have become accustomed to being told by them with a fair degree of accuracy, what's going to happen next. The situation that we find ourselves in now is that inflation, which most central banks target, is really hard to understand and really hard to predict. And there are no textbooks for what's going on now with inflation as the global economy comes out of the the pandemic. And so for some central banks, communication is slightly all over the place. And sometimes the market will say, we think we know best. So, for example, quite recently, the market took on Australian government bonds and pushed yields up like really forcefully. So that means the price of the bonds is coming down. And that absolutely blasted through the target level that the central bank in Australia had for where these bonds should be trading. And eventually... The central bank came around to the market's way of thinking and said, you know what, inflation is where it is. It's time for us to take off some of the stimulus that we've had out there. And so this is a very complicated relationship right now. And what we've seen in the past few days is that it can break down quite dramatically. Yeah. And, you know, it it is a case by case basis. We talked about this last week in the wake of the European Central Bank meeting Mm. where Christine Lagarde said, hey, you know, I don't work for investors. I work for the bloc's economy. Right. Um, And and they, they, they blatantly shrug off investors because they think that they know better when it comes to what's going to happen with inflation. You know, can you talk about why that is the case? You know, why they might shrug off investor pressure? You're right. A lot of investors, particularly in bond funds, kind of feel like they have some sort of right to know exactly what's going to happen next. That's really not, generally speaking, central bankers' job. They're there to do something slightly different. But this symbiosis kicks in because if the market feels like central banks are acting too slowly to tackle inflation, then they can tackle inflation themselves effectively through through the bond market. The sort of parlance, market parlance for it is, is tighten financial conditions. So make it more expensive to borrow, make it more, you know, make it more difficult for, for banks to lend money effectively um, by pushing up borrowing costs, even when benchmark interest rates aren't moving. And so central banks don't generally like market interest rates to be too far away from what they're trying to achieve. So there is a bit of give and take here. 
But it is just incredibly difficult for central banks to talk about the range of potential outcomes with inflation at the moment without market participants feeling like they've been led up the garden path into thinking this is what the central bank is going to do next. And this is what we've seen a bit of in the past few days. Now, how much should investor expectations drive central bank policy? Generally speaking, central banks quite like surprising markets by being more dovish, giving more stimulus than the market had expected. So bad things happen like like the pandemic and and central banks say, here, whatever it takes. So they like being extremely generous without people necessarily predicting it. They don't like doing the opposite because it can make markets freeze up and that can ultimately make it harder for ordinary households and businesses to get hold of the cash that they need. So negative surprises generally frowned upon. And so that's why there is this symbiosis between markets and central bankers that central bankers are not there to make promises. They always heavily caveat their statements. But we're in a situation, uh, again, just because of the precedent that's been set since 2008, where the market feels like it's getting hard promises. And sometimes those promises are not as hard as they first appear. Katie Martin is the FT's markets editor. Thank you, Katie. Pleasure. Before we go, remember that 30-day free trial to our Moral Money newsletter? We mentioned it earlier this week. We forgot to say the offer also includes 30 days access to the entire FT.com site. So you not only get the best newsletter on socially responsible investing, you can read everything else in the FT too. Sign up at FT.com slash COP26podcast. The link is in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Jess Smith. We'd hope this week from Peter Barber, Gavin Coleman, and Michael Bruning. Our global head of audio, Cheryl Brumley. And our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.